so happy we've been having such a good chat that's like oh we might want to get rolling so so happy to have Jonathan Welton on the podcast today welcome welcome thank you good to be back with you I I always enjoy our time together and I this might be our third time to actually record maybe fourth I know we've been we're getting up there we have a track record this yeah, is fun. most frequent guests together. So this is this is fantastic. And <laughs> frequent flyer, it works. We're, we're gonna <laughs> we get into some different stuff today. Um, we've talked in the past more about my journey over the last five years, and you've been a part of that. Uh, you know, working with my, uh, especially working with my wife, and uh, you know, just just walking as an encourager and uh, uh, a cheer a cheer captain and all of that. And so, uh, you know, to come to talk today really about kind of what is on my heart for the season and what I'm seeing. And uh, this is really a, uh, a fun opportunity for me because I, I have been on the side of interviewing other people for the podcast but I haven't been sharing so much what I'm seeing and where I'm headed and what, what I see ahead of me. Um, so that's, that's where we're headed today. Any thoughts Yay. on that? Wow. Well, let's dive in. Dive in. You've had, uh, I mean, such a font of stuff. It's so you need an outlet. So I'm happy to be an outlet for you. And it's really going to help people. I mean, I've received and sat under some of the new revelation that you have, the new direction you're going. You have a brand new book coming out, a big honking, awesome book that the guys you pick up your copy now. Um, but we'll get into that. So uh, we were going to talk about five shifts to being indestructible. Dang. Sounds like a Jesus. What a title! What a title! (laughs) (laughs) This this word "indestructible" it comes from uh, Hebrews, uh, and in Hebrews chapter seven, it talks about Jesus that he. One of the things that qualified him to be a priest, because in Hebrews, they're bringing out the fact that Jesus was not a Levite, and we often modern Christians we don't think about this that he was not qualified to be a a priest or a high priest in that he was not from the tribe of Levi. He's from the tribe of Judah. And what the author of Hebrews does is he says, well, the, the Levite priests came out of Abraham, but Abraham gave his tithe to Melchizedek. So Melchizedek is greater than Abraham and greater than Levi. And Jesus is from the, the Royal priesthood of Melchizedek. So he's greater than Abraham and Levi. And so your qualifications don't matter. Jesus is higher than the Levites and Abraham, which is extremely offensive 2000 years ago, but (laughs) it was the reality. And that in that one of the qualifications he says is that Jesus had the power of an indestructible life. And it's this Greek word that's only used in that one sentence and and yet, um, when I dug into what does that one word actually mean, indestructible means uh, a, a life that cannot be broken up into pieces 
or the modern counseling term for that would be to be integrated, to be whole. And so when we say indestructible, we're talking about a level of integration, integrity, wholeness that um, we're talking about, not just uh, not just, well, you have $20 million in the bank. Well, you can have that and still have a horrible marriage and terrible health and depression, anxiety, all of those other things. Uh, so a whole integrated life has to look at everything. Yes. And so that, and I know this is a passion for you as well. And and you mentioned the book. I will uh, hold up for a second here. The Bulletproof Husband. This book is uh, really the lessons from the last five years of what I've been through. And the short form version of that, for those who maybe don't know my journey, is I was leading a large international Bible school online uh, from 2013 to 2018. Uh, and I crashed the whole thing. I just, just ran it right off the tracks and it was my inappropriate interactions with my staff. Um, my, my marriage was a mess. My relationships were a mess. Uh, The way I was treating people was terrible. And so there was all these things that were out of order in my life. I did not have an indestructible life. And I proved it and destroyed everything, I, including being separated twice from my wife, uh, having everything shut down, a global uh, humiliation and, and uh, public embarrassment, as well as being excommunicated from my church by my uh, best friend who was a senior pastor at the time. And so it was uh, as brutal as you could imagine. I mean, just just hitting that rock bottom and going through that process i tried everything to try to fix myself get healthy move forward i mean all the counseling i got a hold of a counselor i worked with every day for the first three months i uh i went out for intensive narcissism therapy out in seattle washington i went to uh, do things where they hooked electrodes up to my scalp and listen to the brain waves and analyze what was going on inside and are the empathy centers working and helped actually bring back uh, memories that had been suppressed through brainwave echo technology. And so I went down every road I could. And what I, I really found that helped me about three years ago in the summer of 2020 was this program called the bulletproof husband and really uh, everything i've been desiring in my life as a man as a father as a husband all these years what i felt that was lacking was through the principles that they actually shared which this is not a ministry it's not a it's it's a secular program for men but the principles that they operate in are kingdom principles that but the let's church be clear, it's a ministry. They're just not doing it in Jesus name. That's right. right. Well, there's, there's a lot of believers in there yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not what we think of as a ministry because right. you're, you're right. going to hear swearing. You're going to be confronted. It's gritty directly. Yeah. It's very intense wow. environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of Christian guys struggle with it because they, they get in and they, haven't been talked to like that before. But when 
you know, here you are, you're going through a divorce, you're separated from your wife, your kids, and another man listens to you, cares about what you're saying, empathizes with you, but then calls you out and says, you know, this right here, this is you being an a-hole and this is why exactly. you're separated and divorced. Yeah. And a lot of Christian guys at that point are like, oh, this know? is not biblical. They're like, hey, you need to hear it. Like, this is how King David would have you out or, you know, like we, we were just so far. When we're so nice, people can wiggle out of confrontation that is needed, like in your face, this is reality. And what's nice about that is man to man, you can really do that. If people can stand that, they'll be like, you're right. I really am been acting like an a-hole, you know what I mean? So I really have been making excuses and, and look at the fruit of my life. Dang, 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 dang. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And so that, that important uh, environment, you know, one of the pictures that really, um, really helped me was if we think of like a red, a red tree, what do they call it? Redwood, redwood forest. Mm -hmm. You never see a redwood standing by itself. And the reason you don't, you don't see these redwood trees growing, you know, hundreds of feet up in the air all by themselves, like in some other place. You find them in forests. And it's because their root system actually doesn't go down very far. It goes out and it attaches to the root systems of other redwood trees. And that the importance of being in masculine relationships that keeps you connected in a way that you can you can grow tall mm -hmm. but not fall over because your root system is connected but those redwoods can't be a redwood out by themselves because they'll they'll just fall over mm -hmm. and that's that's just such an important thing that our cult our world in the western modern world men are isolated yeah. and we need these masculine communities and relationships to actually have the challenge and the struggle and stay strong and healthy and deal with our blind spots, have self-awareness. And, and so that's, um, you know, just, just a really important piece that uh, was, was life-changing for me. And they gave me the honor of, you know, Hey, you're a good writer. How about you write our book? And so this, this book is not my brilliant ideas or massive part of my story. It's more like, here's the principles from them that changed my life. And now I get to help pass it along as an author. And uh, I'm really uh, excited that comes out in the third week of September of this year. So we're just weeks away. And part of what we'll talk about today is, is some of the concepts that are in here. Uh, but like we said, we're starting with this concept of indestructible, an indestructible life. And if Jesus lived an indestructible life, a life that couldn't be broken into pieces, that was whole and integrated, and what does that look like for us? And I've been pondering this concept a lot over the last uh, six months, especially, and the concept that when Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago, yeah. and he here he is, he's in Galilee, in Jerusalem, he's in, he's in Israel. The only thing he has to really bring to them is the message of the new covenant, mm -hmm. the kingdom, the new covenant, the fulfillment of prophecies. And I'm not minimizing what I'm saying is he is 
bringing a spiritual message. You don't hear Jesus talking about weight loss or your sex life or your, you know, he does talk about finances, but usually to prove a kingdom principle that's spiritual. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's not like Dave Ramsey finances of like, how do you pay off your debts and stuff? Like it's, it's less practical. It's more metaphorical. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about these concepts now, a lot of what we're still doing in the church is we're only focused on the spiritual message, whether it's the kingdom, salvation, the new covenant, those, those are good. But when Jesus is talking to Jewish people 2000 years ago, they had an entire culture that was built out of the old Testament. Yeah, We're missing that piece. And so if you go back and you start to go through, say Deuteronomy, and it talks about when your children are young, teach them the words of this, let this be like a mark on their hand or on their forehead. They carry it everywhere with them. Let them memorize these things. And they, they had a whole culture that embraced these concepts of how do you handle your finances? I mean, we have whole chapters that talk about not using usury. Most modern Christians have never heard the word usury and have no idea what that even means. And it's, it's about whether you charge interest Mm -hmm. to other people or not. And they're saying to the Jewish people in the old Testament, Mm -hmm. Don't charge usury to your brothers in Israel. You can charge usury to foreigners. Mm -hmm. And if you start to look, uh, everything that's wrong with our American system goes back to us violating financial principles the Old Testament said not to do. I mean, we're literally we're literally paying income tax, which is not acceptable in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. The only the only tax in the constitution that's allowed is tariffs on foreign products that come in and sales tax and those and that that right there is is really in alignment with what a kingdom biblical perspective right so finances get a lot of airtime in the old testament Mm -hmm. sex life Mm -hmm. song of songs we have an entire book of the old testament dedicated to this And it's a conversation we almost never bring up in church. We keep that over there. It's not spiritual or, you know, if it is spiritual, you can have like a private class when you're married or about to get married. You'll have one maybe class about it somewhere in a back room and we keep it super hush hush. In the brown wrapper. (laughs) This is not the Jewish way, right? You know, we think about uh queen beds. Remember, you know, they they have these posts around the four, the four corners of a queen bed mm-hmm. and they would put heavy drapes around it mm-hmm. and why do you have bridesmaids and groomsmen mm-hmm. because those seven you know men seven ladies were supposed to actually attend to the couple who's mm-hmm. inside the queen bed mm-hmm. having sex for the first week mm-hmm. and they're bringing them food and they're bringing them a chamber pot and they're bringing them everything they need so they can stay in bed together and that concept was a Jewish concept. You literally have chapters that explain your marriage contract is that you come out of the bed and you hold up the sheets and you show the blood on the sheet from breaking the hymen. Like this is a marriage covenant contract that's made in blood because a real covenant always has bloodshed. 
Mm-hmm. We still mm-hmm. we still have people today who are like, you know, I'm I'm in covenant with all my people at my church. And it's like, no, you're not. You're in the body together. Right. But you're not in covenant together. You didn't shed blood. You know, do, did you kill, you know, kill a goat together? Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? Right. But I'm in covenant with my wife. Mm-hmm. And that covenant contract involves bloodshed. There is yeah. a piece to that. Mm-hmm. And so this this concept of a holistic life means you actually have to pay attention to your finances, mm-hmm. your sex life, your physical body. Mm-hmm. We have all these stories in the Old Testament, like David's mighty men, mm-hmm. not David's fat, living in the basement, playing video games men. No, these are his mighty men. And they mm-hmm. they are, you know, stories of Samson, stories of all these physical feats. Mm-hmm. And we ignore it. We totally ignore it. Like, oh, that's cool. It's like a comic book or a superhero. But right. it's, it's not something we ever look at to say, you know what? This, this is not acceptable mm-hmm. the way that it is right now. Mm-hmm. I have to step up and take care of this. Even, you know, the analogies Paul uses over and over again about being a soldier, about not not one who just uh, runs a race not to win. You're supposed mm-hmm. to actually run the race to win. Mm-hmm. You don't just beat the air like you're shadow boxing, but actually, uh, you know, engage like there's there's the body is the temple. Right. It's not trash the temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the concept here of taking care of the physical body mm-hmm. is important. And so when we step back and we say, okay, inside of our churches now, we're bringing a spiritual message and Jesus brought a spiritual message, Mm -hmm. but Jesus brought a spiritual message to people who took care of their body, Mm -hmm. took care of their finances, Mm -hmm. had a good sex life, took care of their marriage. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm not saying, oh, and they were all perfect and whatever. No, I mean, they had their struggles at the time, whatnot. Uh, but they also didn't have McDonald's and they also didn't have all of the processed everything we do. Mm-hmm. And they, they didn't have a phone to distract them for six hours a day. So, you know, it was different. Mm-hmm. But that also means, you know, in some ways we have more of an uphill struggle yeah. that can be a real challenge to come out of this deficit mm-hmm. of you have a destructible life. And I think the huge wake up call for a lot of people was 2020 mm-hmm. because the realization like, I now I'm stuck home with my family all day, every day. And how am I as a father, as a mother? How am I as a husband, as a wife? Mm -hmm. My marriage is a disaster. I can't live with this person every day. Mm -hmm. My finances are now completely rocked because my business shut down. Whether you run a gym or a small Mm -hmm. storefront or whatever, you know, everything gets shaken. And the ministries got right. We couldn't, could meet. So, right. the way did. Right. yeah. Try and then right. you're not meeting, you're not getting that tithe. It's a thing. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, yes. and shaking. I, from what I've heard, about 30% of, of churches never reopened after COVID. And mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's like that's how on the edge things already were. Yeah. But I mean, it just shook and revealed. Mm-hmm. where people are at that we we right now many of us have a destructible life we have these cracks yeah. that were heavily exposed mm-hmm. and so to move in the direction of solidness it's not just a matter see i think some of these are fruit 
in the sense of your finances, your body, your sex life, your marriage. Uh, these are fruit. Mm-hmm. But if you step back and say, how do I actually fix the cracks in the foundation? Mm-hmm. That's what that's what we're going to get into today as far as some of those concepts. And I love that because we've spent some time, you've been painting a picture of like, dang, we're jacked up. Yeah, that's bad. No, that's actually really bad. And what I'm really happy about is now we get to go into how do we fix that? Because we can all get depressed together. And my own's like, yeah, we're messed up. But that's what I love about uh, about the the indestructible bulletproof husband. And then just this message that you're carrying um, to really help. Okay. So how do we get there from here? Uh, so thank you for not leaving us at, we suck and it's getting worse, you know? <laughs> right. And that's the end of our podcast. Yes, we're good. I'm right. so glad you're uplifted. Yes. Be warm and filled. <laughs> right. Let's, let's keep going, Catherine. That's a good point. <laughs> This is the end of part one. Yes. Uh, yes. In three months, we'll put out part two. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. Uh, and and that, I, I hope, you know, it's not my goal that people go, well, I suck. But I, humorously, I get that. But there is a piece of, it is good to look in the mirror and go, this is not okay. Yeah. I I am I am miserable. My mm-hmm. marriage stinks. My, I, we have sex every two months. We, uh, my kids don't like me. I, my boss doesn't like me. Like, yeah, yeah. it's good because a lot of us, we can, we can live in a, um, uh, hypnosis. Yeah. It's like just kind of this hypnotized state where we just, it's just another Tuesday and I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do at work and putting in, you know, putting in the punch card, but it's, it's actually waking up to say, you know what, even in the old covenant, we're in a better covenant. Mm-hmm. And even the old covenant covenant, he's saying, you're supposed to be the head, mm-hmm. not the tail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, get this, this picture of a dog. It's got a head. It's got a tail. And a lot of people were living as the tail. And there's no control in being the tail. Mm -hmm. The dog wags you and Mm -hmm. you are controlled by the dog Mm -hmm. instead of the head actually controls where the dog goes, what it thinks, what it does. Mm -hmm. And our life, we're actually supposed to be the head, not the tail. Well, and and the beautiful thing of that is, is that you're worth this. It's not like you suck as who you are, but your ways of being suck. And you've got sucky fruit and I've got sucky fruit or whatever. And so because we're worthwhile, because you're a son and daughter. Okay. So let's, let's, let's gird our loins, so to speak, (laughs) and do the things that we need to do that will reflect who we are, reflect who God is, right? As an excellent people, as a beautiful people, as a bride without spot or blemish, you know, let's, let's, let's do the things that actually reflect that in real time where we live. Otherwise, you know, it's, you know, and and that's what will also draw people that don't know God. It's like, well, what is, what's up with you? And you're like, this is amazing. Like, how did that happen? And that's reflecting who you are and reflecting a God that's, that's excellent and integrous yeah mm-hmm. well said because uh, it's being that being that city on a hill being a light mm-hmm. that people should look to not just because 
you spiritually have Jesus and you have this life flowing out of you, but you're also 300 pounds and in debt and your wife doesn't like you. Like there, all of it has to go together. If you're going to be an example that other people go, I want what you have. Like I want the Jesus and I want the whole thing. I want everything you're doing. Your life is flowing with fruit and favor and grace and, and health and health. Yeah. Financial health and relational health. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Yeah. We get the whole package, the whole but we package. have to be diligent. Yeah. So we're saying we're, we're going to um, set the fruit aside and mm-hmm. talk about some of the things in the foundation that have to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to come back to that, because it's so easy to say, well, you know, well, go, go deal with your, your fitness, go deal with your finances, go deal with your marriage. But underneath those things, there's some principles that help in all of those things. And that was that was some of the kingdom principles that I came across with Bulletproof that were absolutely eye-opening, that I had never learned in church. These concepts, these principles that I wouldn't say uh, have any contradiction with church or scripture, mm-hmm. but they're just completely missing. And so... There's some key words. Uh, I'll I'll actually give out our key words, but then we'll dig into them because they mean something very different when you understand them. Mm-hmm. So the first one is terms. Mm-hmm. Then we have integrity, trust, responsibility, and accountability. And we heard mostly, you know, at least the the integrity, trust, responsibility, accountability. We've heard those terms. Mm-hmm. We think we have an understanding of what they mean. But there's so much more when you grasp them a certain way. There's there's a way that these things will change the foundation of your life, mm-hmm. which will create different fruit. Mm-hmm. So the first one, terms, uh, this concept, which I thought for the longest time, I don't know where these guys came up with this. They must be the only ones who have this. But I actually came across later uh, the seven habits of highly effective people. It's yeah. Habit- I think it's habit number two of the seven Mm -hmm. talks about having a principle centered life. Mm -hmm. Now terms is a concept for the masculine and it's the, uh, the idea, but it, but it transfers that anybody can grab onto this as a principle. Mm -hmm. And so if we say, let's say that uh, Bob, Mm -hmm. he decides that he's going to have a, family-centered life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then his boss comes and says listen bob this weekend we have a big event coming up i need you to work extra hours this week uh it's going to cut into a few of your evenings uh so i'm going to need you to uh adjust and figure it out but you got to work the overtime Mm -hmm. well bob's got a huge conflict because Mm -hmm. the principle of bob's life Mm -hmm. is that he's Mm family-centered So Mm -hmm. now his work is in conflict with his, his job Mm -hmm. and he's struggling through, how do I make a decision? Mm -hmm. And let's say that, that he's um, marriage focused Mm -hmm. instead of family focused, he's marriage focused. That's Mm -hmm. his center. Then, you know, his, his uh, maybe he plays in a band and they say, well, we have a, we have a opportunity to play a great big concert on Wednesday night. And he's like, Wednesday nights are date night. Now he's got a conflict. What you put at the center 
-hmm. will be in conflict with other things that come along. Mm -hmm. Now, if, in some people's mind, it might be easy to say, well, you know, you just tell your boss, no, you have great boundaries. Yeah, there's some of that, mm -hmm. but you might also get fired. Mm -hmm. And now your family centered thing yeah. could actually now not you're you're not providing for your family and you've just shot yourself in the foot mm -hmm. yeah. so your family centeredness could also mess up some choices which mm -hmm. then affect your family yeah you your wife might actually want you to go play the concert and she wants right. to come along and eat some food and watch the concert mm -hmm. but you're thinking no it conflicts with date night and you know you create chaos for yourself mm -hmm. and so the concept here is to actually put principle-centered life, mm -hmm. and then every decision gets run through the filter of that principle. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the program, we talk about terms mm -hmm. and make it real simple that I am a man that, mm -hmm. and then you have some things that follow that. So for me personally, I am a man that provides safety and love for my family. Real simple statement, mm -hmm. but I can think everything through those terms. Mm -hmm. Am I going to treat this person this way? Am I going to talk to someone this way? Am I going to make this financial decision? Am I going to take care of my health in a certain way? And I check in with my terms and say, well, does it violate safety or love for my family? Mm -hmm. If it violates that, no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it actually becomes, the principle actually comes before mm -hmm. anything else. Mm -hmm. And this was a uh, absolutely rocking thought when I first joined. The idea that your terms as a man, your principle is the center. It comes before your marriage. Yeah. Now, how could that be? I know that's that's a real struggle for especially Christian people, the idea that anything would come before your marriage. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, inside my terms, I'm a man that provides safety and love for my family. If my wife came to me tomorrow and there's some sort of chemical imbalance that she's great, but she if she shifted, mm -hmm. and she has like lost her mind sometime in the next 24 hours. And she comes to me and says, you know, having three kids is too much. I'm exhausted. How about we take this one and we just drive and drop her off in the forest somewhere and we'll just have two from now on. Yeah. You know, my marriage comes before a lot of things, mm -hmm. but my terms as a man mm -hmm. says, uh, hell no, right. I'm taking you to the loony bin. And we're going to drop you off somewhere, but in, <laughs> in the woods. A nice padded room somewhere to work through yeah. that. Yeah. But the term of who I am as a man will not be compromised. I will be one who provides safety and love for my family. Yeah. So from there, I can create boundaries. You know, if, if somebody wants to insert themselves in my life or, you know, some of the, the things that get said online and the way people talk, I can bring my terms to the forefront to say, that's not safe for my family. That's not loving for my family, whether that's. I'm a part of my family too. So there's an element too to say, nope, I'm not going to be participating in that because it's also not safe or loving for myself. Yeah. So I'm done with that. Mm -hmm. And so, so there's self-care is involved in that because 
you're not going to provide safety or love if you're, you know, Twinkie man, you know what I mean? So, yes. yes. And that's, that's, um, you know, there's a whole structure that we learn with your terms, your principle centered life that how the other things fit into your life, because it's not, it's not everything that I want or everything that I feel Mm -hmm. it actually, your feelings and wants come at the bottom of the structure. But at the top, as far as needs, I need to sleep. I need to eat. I need to drink and be hydrated. I need to do certain things to take care of myself. So those are non-negotiables. And then there's a structure of making decisions. And so having a filter like that uh, is a game changer. I found, I found for me that within two weeks in the program, I went from a regular process of arguing uh, in this cycle. You know, if you look it up on YouTube, it would call it like the emotional abuse cycle or the narcissism abuse cycle, things like that. If you take the, you know, all the nasty labels off of it, it's a pattern that a lot of marriages live in for years. And we had been stuck in this pattern where Karen would bring something to my attention. I would feel, uh, really triggered, defensive, insecure, I'd react, I'd pull away, and I would stonewall. Mm -hmm. Or I'd argue, but I'd mostly pull away. And then after a few days, she'd kind of settle down about it, and we'd leave it alone, and we'd just sort of make up, and we'd have some peaceful days, and then she'd bring something else up. And the pattern would go around and around and around and you just never progress. Nothing Mm -hmm. ever gets dealt with. I never take responsibility. I'm never taking ownership. Mm -hmm. I'm not actually moving forward. And so we move from that process into based on terms, I can actually filter and hear her and hold myself accountable. And this is where the other words start to come into play. So the, Second one is integrity. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things about integrity, when we think of it, we think of it like a moral standard, mm-hmm. like character or your moral compass. But when you take integrity a different way, another way to understand it is your ability to keep your word. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's this saying, uh, being a man of your word. Mm-hmm. And that, that concept we you know, in our society where people don't even know what gender they are, we don't use that term as much anymore. You know, everybody's confused about everything now. And yet being being in touch with yourself in a way that you feel like a solid man and leader means that you have to be in integrity with yourself. Yeah. And that integrity with yourself is the concept that that really was so eye-opening for me is you can be in integrity or you can be out of integrity. And it doesn't mean, you know, moral, immoral, but let's say that uh, we said, okay, we're going to record this podcast at 10 a.m. And I show up at 10 05. I'm out of integrity Mm -hmm. because I said I would be there at 10. And so when I show up out of integrity, I trust myself less my confidence goes down. I know inside myself that I violated my word and I'm not being trustworthy. Mm -hmm. So the idea of your integrity is not just right or wrong, but it's 
your ability to actually keep your word and be inside of integrity. So integrity in that sense is more like a standing of you're in it or you're out of it. And we go in and out of it all the time. You could be in it six days a week and you have a horrible night's sleep. And the next thing you know, you're you're screwing things up and you're making mistakes the next day. You're out of integrity actually started the night before when you drank a coffee at 7 p.m. and went to the gym at nine and then you couldn't fall asleep because your heart was racing. Right. And those choices threw you out of integrity. So the next day you're all screwed up. Yeah. So in and out of integrity in that sense is, is an ongoing challenge to learn to stay in integrity and how to clean it up when you go out of it so that you don't fall into this lack of self-trust, yeah. uh, which, which really leads to our, our third word, trust. Mm-hmm. Now the concept of trust is is there's so many different things. Like I know there's there's we all have in our life people who don't trust us, whether it's a sibling that we grew up with or a former boss or a former friend. You know, we've all had that. Now I've had it on a grand scale. People that trusted me and then I made my horrible choices and mistakes and lost a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. In the process of that, though, learning about trust, which I think is a conversation the church has not had. We talk about forgiveness. We talk about consequences. We talk about repentance. We talk about confession. There's all these other words. And we don't know really at the core of it is we need to understand trust. Because somebody could repent of their sin change their life and move in a new direction, confess what they did, move in this way. And we we're obligated as Christians to forgive, but the trust is really the challenge. And that gap of trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's like, Oh, I forgive them, but I don't trust them again. Mm-hmm. But we have a struggle because in first Corinthians 13, it says love always trusts. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to be loving, and it also says there's no record of wrongs, love holds no record of wrongs, but distrust keeps all the record of wrongs. So we as Christians actually have to think through this. I'm not saying automatically trust everybody after you forgive them. That's a terrible idea. Not my recommendation. But there is an aspect of when you're in relationship with somebody that trust is a currency. Mm-hmm. And if they have taken a trust withdrawal mm-hmm. where they've taken out a million dollars and now they're in a trust deficit of a million dollars, they have to actually acknowledge it, mm-hmm. own the fact that they did whatever it was that took out the million dollars right. and begin to walk a process that rebuilds that that deficit, that brings mm-hmm. that that million dollar debt back up to zero. Right. And for, for a lot of people, if they, if they, if the bank starts seeing you make a $10,000 deposit every week for week after week, year after year, you may not have to pay back the whole million, mm-hmm. but maybe you pay back uh 700,000. And mm-hmm. then the other person says, you know what? I, I forgive the rest of the debt. Let's move on. Let's have a, a new relationship. Yeah. 
But that trust process, we never talk about that and how to rebuild that trust and the importance of trust. Mm-hmm. So that that piece uh, has been really um, something that uh, was absolutely powerful in our marriage relationship because in being separated twice and and the years of disconnection and arguing and unfaithfulness and the years of all of this stuff and the public humiliation, I had probably the lowest trust account you could imagine. I mean, I've publicly embarrassed my wife, myself. I've been excommunicated, former staff members writing all kinds of stuff about me on the internet. Like it's, you couldn't imagine a lower trust account and to actually be able to rebuild that. And You know, my my wife is a champion of of not in in so many ways, but in also of not giving me a free pass. Uh, I see a lot of women who who you know he owes a million dollars. He comes in and he brings in two or three checks for ten thousand, and they go, "I forgive the rest of the debt." It's like, oh, that's not a good idea. Don't do that. You actually have to rebuild that trust you have to earn back that trust uh on both sides because it also builds a muscle for the other person of validating and seeing and owning and being accountable and so there's there's two sides to that so part of the beautiful thing of how i my wife interacted with me was she she held the line of good boundaries right to be integrous and continue and show me, which is actually loving because Jonathan and who he really is as a human being and as a man actually is integrous. And I'm going to require that. I'm going to require continued deposits. Show me the money. (laughs) Show me the money. Good summer. (laughs) So yes, that, that, that's important for both sides of the trust interaction because it's, it's important not just to pay it back, but also one to let people pay it back, mm-hmm. give them, you know, don't shut the bank forever. Like it's Fort Knox, you know, you have an open door, but they're not allowed to take anything else out of the bank because you have good boundaries, but they're allowed to come in and bring a payment and eventually to earn that trust back is that that would be, you know, my really quick thought on trust, but there's a lot more to be said about trust. Um, so the concept of trust, responsibility and accountability, our last two thoughts here. Now, responsibility, it's, we, we often think of responsibility versus irresponsible. Mm -hmm. And there is, there is two different things there, but if we were to paint the picture of what I've come to understand about responsibility is that it's on the spectrum with victimhood. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Responsible at one end, victim at the other end. Mm-hmm. And you can choose where you fall on this spectrum. You could be 100% the victim, or you mm-hmm. can be 100% responsible, mm-hmm. or you could be 50% the victim, 50% responsible. You get to choose. Now, if you're going to be 100% a victim in your health, then you blame Coca-Cola and McDonald's for why you're 400 pounds. 
Right. And it's not your fault. Your parents raised you this way and yeah. blah, blah, blah. You know, we get the picture of the ultimate victim, right? And it could be the same with, well, I didn't know that the credit card was 30% interest. I didn't know that, you know, I was supposed to right. pay my taxes. I, you know, and victim, victim, victim. Yeah. On this side, the responsible owns it. Yeah. And I, I, this is my body, everything I put inside myself, it is, is a choice. Mm -hmm. I made this choice. I'm going to take care of it this way. I'm going to eat this way. I'm going to work out this way. I'm going to do these things. Mm -hmm. And the more responsible you are, the better fruit you have in your life. Mm -hmm. The more you're a victim and you play that victim role, the less responsible you are and you have bad fruit in your life. Mm -hmm. So this sliding scale, you can always change it. Let's say you're coming from blaming McDonald's and Coca-Cola and you move up to 30% mm -hmm. responsible. Mm -hmm. That's a huge shift. Yeah. And people make that. They start walking. They start eating differently. They start drinking water. They start doing stuff. And they're being responsible. But then we look at somebody who's like almost superhuman, like David Goggins, uh, you know, some athlete level military person. And the thing about them is they are close to 100% responsible in their mm -hmm. life. Like right. there's an extreme level of responsibility that they've mm -hmm. taken on mm -hmm. that is way beyond the norm. You know, most people are somewhere in the middle. I mean, right. we hear we hear the extreme, we'll say left, because it's my left hand, uh, but that that group over here, very victim. Mm -hmm. And we have over here on the right, the, the examples, role models in our culture and society mm -hmm. of, of extreme responsibility. But it's a choice. It's a choice we have to make. And in your own, there's two kinds of responsibility. There's personal responsibility where I'm responsible for the things in my life. Mm -hmm. But then if my kid decides to go make some choice, we we can say, well, you know, they made that choice or my wife, she made that choice or my my coworker made that choice or my employer made that choice. Mm -hmm that is a different realm and a lot of people they stop at personal responsibility if they even get that far mm -hmm. if they get that far for personal responsibility there might be a place where they stop and they say well you know this is my wife's responsibility mm -hmm. leadership begins when you start taking responsibility for things you're not seen as responsible for we think of, let's say, a major leader like Gandhi or Martin Luther King Jr. They could have found just their own freedom. Mm -hmm. you know, maybe move to another country, live in another place, live out in the country somewhere where people aren't going to bother you for the color of your skin or whatever. Like you could find a level of personal freedom and call it quits. Mm -hmm. But in both their cases, they took on leadership level of responsibility mm -hmm. to say, I will become responsible for all the African-American people in America and the laws and making changes. I will take that on as a responsibility. Mm -hmm. Gandhi, I will take on the responsibility of bringing freedom to the Indian people from the British Empire. Mm -hmm. Like you, When you see a leader, they're taking on a responsibility that is beyond personal. They don't have to do it. They're choosing to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that kind of leadership, that responsibility is leadership. It's automatic. Yes. They go together. 
you can have a position of leadership, but if you're not taking on the responsibility, it's going to have a massive crack in the foundation because it's hollow. You have, we have people in positions of power who also play the victim. Right. Um, we see it That's on funny. CNN every day, right? You know, and we may have talked a little bit about that. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. So, yes. yeah. So victimhood, it, it can still exist inside of a position, mm-hmm. but responsibility is automatic leadership. If you take on responsibility for something, you are taking on leadership for that thing. And then our last last word is accountability. And we talked about it, the concept with the Redwoods, uh, but so much of that is having relationships where you're going to be challenged, but it's not about control. And I think this is where a lot of our accountability in the church has been very problematic. There's really two, two kinds of what we see. We see, oh, I'm a part of a men's accountability thing. Right. So we meet once a week at a diner and have coffee and talk about, you know, how much porn we did or didn't watch that week. Mm-hmm. And that's like the stereotype, but it's, it's reality for a lot yeah, of guys. That's accountability. That's where they're stuck. And it feels eventually very discouraging and very depressing because right. it's more of a vent session than how do we actually move forward? Mm-hmm. Then on the other side, there's accountability. Like, Hey, you've really screwed up. Now we're going to hold you accountable, which means we're going to chain and shackle you and hold you, you know, still for three years, not let you do anything and, you know, keep these chains on you and then we'll let you go. And that's not accountability either, but many times that's what our accountability comes down to is control. Right. The challenge, if we want to actually operate in accountability is having a relationship where there's high trust Mm -hmm. and inside the high trust you're calling each other out on integrity Mm -hmm. are you in integrity out of integrity hey bob you're out of integrity you said you were going to do this last week and you didn't do it Mm -hmm. by a certain time so how are you going to clean that up hey you know what you're right i totally failed i think what i'll do is and they come up with a plan, an action plan, how they're going to address it, how they get back in integrity, how they'll be responsible, how they'll rebuild the trust they withdrew, how they will uh, hold themselves accountable. So having relationships that hold up the mirror so that you can see yourself, mm-hmm. have the self-awareness and make the changes you need to make to move forward is the kind of accountability that is very rare. Because uh, often when somebody screws up, either we don't call them out, mm-hmm. or if we do call them out, they shut down, get defensive, run away, right, or argue, and so we're afraid of even confronting somebody because then they might go rah and come back at us, and so there's there's just a real lack of accountability of actually challenging and calling something out with somebody. Uh, we just don't we just don't do it. And so you get really wimpy, you're all worried about they're going to get mad or whatever. You don't want to hurt their feelings, but that's actually not loving. We need to be powerful and call. It's like calling out the best. Like I, I'm expecting you to, to come up to what was agreed upon and you can do it. So it's actually really life giving. It may not feel good at the time, but it will sure feel good as you get back into where you're supposed to be. So, yeah. 
Yes. And I mean, these, these five things, if people can get this right in the foundation of their life and how it works, how it operates, so they're living by their principles, they're living with high trust in their relationships, rebuilding their trust with relationships, operating inside of integrity and managing it, being responsible instead of being a victim, and having accountability in their life to keep themselves walking this way, you can have a very powerful life that's not broken up. It will lead to better health. It'll lead to better finances, better marriage, more sex. Like all of these things are fruit of having this fine foundation in place. And so that's, that's what we're going after with this concept of indestructible leaders. And even when somebody says, well, maybe I'm not a leader. Well, the first thing any leader has to do is be able to lead themselves. They have to be able to lead themselves before they can lead anybody else. And so I would say for, for anybody who has any responsibilities in your life, whether it's a responsibility of being a wife, a mom, a business owner, uh, you know, a, whatever it might be that is your responsibility, ministry on your plate, that makes you a leader. You are a leader because you have responsibility. And that piece right there, we, we want holistic, healthy leaders, responsible people. And this is, this is what I've worked actually in the last few months. And I'm, I'm going to put this out there because people haven't heard this yet, but we're creating a program called Indestructible Leaders. It's a month-to-month program with a membership where people can be involved. They can start whenever, leave whenever. And it's myself and three other coaches. Uh, there's four components to it. Faith, feelings, fitness, and finances. So these four areas of understanding the better covenant, understanding the Bible, having a deep grasp of everything that that we teach about uh, positive end times and the kingdom advancing and the supernatural and really feeling confident that I know the Bible. Because a lot of people, even if you go to seminary, you might come out knowing what Jonathan Edwards thinks and John Wesley thinks and some Greek words, mm-hmm. but you don't feel like I understand the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that that's a key that we really go after. And then in the feelings realm, one of the coaches I'm working with uh, he, he, I don't want to give away the names right now, but he specifically, uh, focuses on helping people work through their triggers mm-hmm. so that their relationships can be at peace so they can be healthy and peaceful. Uh, and that, you know, all the things that trigger us that if we deal with them so that we have peace in our relationships. And then, uh, third is fitness. And there's a personal trainer we we've, we've partnered with. Uh, and she is uh, an expert with this, but she's a nutrition coach and a fitness coach. So it's a mixture of both. And she has an app that she works with you and coaches you. And then our fourth is a financial financial leadership coach who will help you wherever you are on the spectrum to move maybe out of debt or into investing or wherever you are. And she's trained to help people along their process. So the concept being, you get all four in one program. You don't need to go out and find four different things to try to get your life in order. 
But if you can actually come to one place, one location, be part of a community where people are working on all four areas of their life and be in an accountable tribe of people who are going after this so that we're producing a community of believers that are responsible and trustworthy in integrity, accountable, and live according to their principles, have healthy bodies, healthy finances, healthy marriages, and really feel like they know God and that know his word. And so I want to produce something I just have not seen in churches or seminaries yet, as far as what we're turning out for leaders for the future of the body of Christ. Wow. Wow. So where do they find out information about, is this, when does this program start or when, when, how do they join or? Yeah, we, um, depending on when this podcast comes out, uh, we, at the moment that we're recording, uh, we have not launched it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have our partners. We, we're finishing up some details and we are looking at the beginning of 2024, mm-hmm. although we might have a beta group that starts before that. So we're, we're open to putting out a soft launch sometime this fall so that people can get started. Um, so something to keep an eye out for, but they can go to indestructibleleaders.com. And I will have the link up there. Yeah. That's what, that's it right there. And they can come find us. Perfect. And then the book comes out when, when in September? Third week of September this year, 2023. It's, it's, it's beefy. It's 330 pages. But I also recorded the audiobook. It'll be available on Kindle. Those will be closer to Christmas. And the thing that's so great about this, we're keeping in mind that we're writing for guys. And so we made every chapter is about one to three pages. Yeah. And so there's about 70 chapters in there. And it really, uh, it's very bite-sized. So you can just treat it like a devotional. Basically, I love that. I love that, and I, I'm so happy. Uh, the guys, guys are needing help. We all need help, but our guys, I think, in particular, have been glossed over in a lot of yeah. ways. If, if we help our guys, we'll all do better. Yeah, win-win. You know, help them be responsible, accountable, integrity, high trust. Everybody wins. Yeah, I love it. Oh, I always love the win-win. That's great. Well, this has been amazing. Um, I, you know, I hope everybody go back and take notes, get the book, uh, check out about the indestructible leader group. And that means you, because we're all leading something, even if we're just starting with ourselves. Uh, and you know, there's no time like now to start doing something that will move you forward. And that's amazing. So I, I so appreciate you. I appreciate, uh, your bravery, your courage, your, you just haven't like could have given up, but just did not. And that is incredible. Uh, and so I love that. Love, love Karen as well. You guys are amazing. I'm planning to have her on soon too. So, um, so much fun, but so appreciate you, Jonathan. And, uh, I hope you will come back. You have so much to, to give. So appreciate it. Thank you, Catherine. I really appreciate the opportunity and thanks everybody for listening in. And, and I, I would go back and take notes, get, get some, get some meat out of this. And uh, we'd love to see you over at Indestructible Leaders. And I'm sure we might have Catherine over there with us too. So. It happened. Could be a thing.
<laughs> Thank you so much, Jonathan. Everybody share this and have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.